Downtown State College on the corner of Beaver Avenue and Allen Street. And this episode is dropping on Wednesday, November 14th. So we are just a little over a week away from Thanksgiving, if you can uh, believe that. Um, hopefully, you're making holiday plans. And um, one thing we haven't mentioned uh, since November, but wanted to mention since want to be, we are thankful here, at, we are very thankful here at SCLO. Um, if you haven't seen or maybe you have seen, uh, State College Magazine each November comes out with its best of issue. And this year, SCLO was named, uh, voted on as best community space. So we just, I just want to take time to say thank you so much. Whether you voted or not, um, that, that is just a great honor, and we are so thankful to receive that and be named that. And we're just so thankful for everyone, whether you use the library as a patron, whether you donate money, whether you donate your time as a volunteer, whether you just listen to this podcast. Um, thank you. Uh, without you, none of this would be possible. We are so proud um, and honored to, to serve this region. And, uh, and again, just thank you so much for naming us Best Community Space. Now, for the holiday season, as we, as we continue on, um, the Nutcracker is a popular holiday tradition. A movie version actually just came out. Uh, Nittany Ballet has been putting on its performance of the Nutcracker for, for a while, and uh, it will have its main performance December 9th and 10th at Eisenhower Auditorium. But for the last few years, they give a little preview, do some scenes, uh, here at the library, here at the School of Library, and they'll be doing so again on Sunday, November 18th at 2.30 p.m. in our community room, so you can get a little sneak peek about, um, for this year's Nutcracker performance. And for this episode, I talked uh, talk to uh, Rebecca Machesek. She is the artistic director of Nittany Ballet. Uh, she's been there since uh, 2007 with the uh, Pennsylvania uh, with the Performing Arts School of Central Pennsylvania, and she took over as artistic director of Nittany Ballet in 2012. Um, she's a classically trained dancer, um, and then some of the dancers uh, she has trained have been accepted into programs like the School of American Ballet, Miami City Ballet, um, the Pennsylvania Ballet, Pittsburgh Ballet Theater. So um, she leads, uh, they do two major productions each year, um, one, of course, being uh, the Nutcracker has become a popular tradition here. So, um, and, she, and the the dancers in her in these performances are from from kids to teenagers. So it's a, it really runs the gamut and and just shows her, the talent that she has that she has been she works with these kids and and they just put on an amazing performance. Um, so hopefully here you can enjoy my conversation with Rebecca Machesek as we uh, get a little preview of the Nutcracker. From Nittany Ballet. Rebecca, thank you for uh, joining us for this podcast. Uh, looking forward to the Nutcracker. 
Um, I guess, can you first of all, talk about, you know, this has become a popular tradition, the story's popular during the holiday season. Why do you think it resonates or continues to resonate with, with people? I think tradition plays a big part in it. Um, and going to the theater is certainly exciting. But the Nutcracker itself has a holiday theme to it because um, the very first scene, known as the party scene, is when the Stahlbaum family is celebrating their holiday Christmas tradition and um, they're bringing guests over. And this is when we learn about the lead um, the lead younger character, Marie, mm-hmm. and her... Um, her childhood and how that party goes and how that turns into um, the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a I think it's just one that the music is familiar. Tchaikovsky's score is played a lot through the holiday season on the radio. You hear it a lot in the mall. Um, there are certain excerpts from the ballet that are very familiar to people. Mm-hmm. So I think tradition plays a big part in in the draw year yeah. to year. What about for you personally? Because I mean, you have to visit it every year. Right. I mean what I mean do you enjoy it every year uh, look you know especially with the kids and, and putting it on? I do. <laughs> yeah. I do very much. Every year I have a different group of students mm-hmm. um, and they all have their own unique talents and um, personalities to fill the roles and so that is a joy uh, mm-hmm. to work with them in that capacity and um I have to say, every year there's something that is slightly different. Not not to say that I purposefully do something different to make it interesting for me, um, but it just sort of works out that way. Um, either somebody, um, I hear a suggestion from someone, or um, there's a little bit of choreography that I would like to tweak here and there. Mm-hmm. And so usually every year there's something a little bit different, so that that's always interesting. Awesome. Yeah. When did you, uh, I guess, when did you start working on, like, when did you start working on this year's uh, production? Well, um, we start about two weeks into the fall session um, when we start um, learning and rehearsing the roles and then Mm -hmm. the the dancers audition for certain parts. Mm -hmm. uh, And then the casting goes up. And so the rehearsals actually for the younger children started starts this week actually okay. they just started yesterday oh, wow. so um and then every saturday i work with the older students yeah. in their rehearsals mm-hmm. yeah. have you noticed our maids too early to uh notice anything new about this year that you that from compared to previous years you've done um sure well we already have a different group of of people yeah. in the cast and so certain choreography has changed a little mm-hmm. bit this year um costuming is a little bit different just based on um, the particular students in those roles so that's always fun mm-hmm. when um, we have to, when we can make little changes like that so I've noticed some difference we might have a little bit different set um, for one scene this mm-hmm. year which will be exciting but uh, yeah it's um, it's it's going well right off the mm-hmm. bat with rehearsals so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's cool I guess about this year I don't know if, uh, the movie is coming out uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Um, yes I don't know if you've seen the previews I mean, are, are you going to be interested in seeing that and oh I'm sure it? I will yeah. I, I don't think I could not see it uh, yeah. because I'm sure um, it will be a nice uh, fun talking point with yeah. uh, with the teachers and the dancers, so yeah. um, yes, it is. It is certainly something <laughs> yeah. else. Have did you uh, when you were um, did you perform the Nutcracker or have you performed it? I when, did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah you, that what was, was that experience like for you? Oh, it was. Yeah. I mean, it was always a something to look forward to um, mm-hmm. every year and. Uh, always very exciting. I got to perform um, in a couple different theaters with mm-hmm. Nutcracker, and 
Nutcracker was usually when we performed in the large theater. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I feel very fortunate that we're able to offer that experience to our children, um, our students, to dance at Eisenhower Auditorium because it, it is that large kind of wow factor for mm-hmm. them, which adds to the excitement. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's ages uh, 6 to 18 that will be performing at Eisenhower. The, the yes. Range, yeah. Yes. What is... Uh, I mean, can you talk about what that's like for children? Uh, or, and you've probably been with ones who started at six and are now older. I mean, mm-hmm. to see them develop. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's that like for you as a, a teacher? As it's teacher? it's really amazing. Yeah, yeah. It really is. Um, you know, I've I've been there as a teacher since 2007. I've been with Nittany Ballet Performing Arts School of Central Pennsylvania, but um, and. And, and it, it is really amazing mm-hmm. to see the kids grow uh, in, in their confidence and in their abilities um, and, and to see what they do with it. And so it's it's quite phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how did you uh, get interested in, in dance when you, you started very young? I mean, how, how did that, how did you get the itch to... I did. Yeah. Well, I think my parents were key in mm. taking me to a studio when I was young. I, mm. I was always dancing in the aisles of concerts mm-hmm. and um, my father uh, sung in a gospel quartet and or uh, and then later um, barbershop quartet mm-hmm. so it was music was always a part of my life my grandmother played the organ for our church for 40 years and um, my other grandmother was always asking me to sing with her um, when she played the piano at her home so I was always singing and dancing and mm-hmm. I think my parents realized I needed an outlet, um, a more structured outlet for that. So I did. I started with, at a school that was sort of multi-focused. Um, like, they had multiple styles of dance mm-hmm. that were offered. And I took ballet and tap and um, baton twirling, which was kind of funny because mm-hmm. I just wasn't very good at it. <laughs> but eventually, my parents saw a school uh, perform and they noticed the difference in the, the training and the technique um, of a more focused classical ballet school mm-hmm. um, versus the one that I was studying at. So um, they, we changed schools. And from there, I really feel like I got a, a wonderful education in dance um, and ballet yeah. training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What, um, I guess, what kind of training do, do the students that go, go through you, what, what do you get? What do they get? How intensive is it? Yeah, yeah. well, um, it's... I, I try to offer a program um, that gives them really good training but still allows them to experience some other things while they're mm-hmm. growing up, um, mainly because children have a lot of varied interests. And, mm-hmm. and I think as um, artists, they it's important for them to have other aspects of their mm-hmm. lives to sort of tap into as an artist and just have a whole um, wealth of information coming in um, in different ways as they grow but uh so we do have an intense program the the six and seven year olds start with two hours a week Mm. and uh then they move to three hours a week and then they move to six hours a week as they advance and then it's seven and a half and then it's nine and then you know so um but we offer about 18 to 20 hours a week for the intermediate and advanced students um and and that includes saturdays so it's there's a requirement that they have to take so much mm-hmm. um, just simply because we want them to work to their best and potential and we want them to be able to see what they can do. Mm-hmm. But the other reason is because we want to maintain quality of our performances and yeah. what we offer to the community. Uh, and that certainly, you know, has in order to achieve that, they have to be attending so many classes. Mm-hmm. So I try to find a balance. But um, but we offer classical ballet training as our focus. And mm-hmm. then we also have contemporary classes for uh, intermediate and advanced students 
Um, we're going to try offering a contemporary class to some younger students once a month and see how that works. And then we have jazz and modern as well, mm-hmm. so um, and character classes too. So it's we we do offer a lot, but our focus is on classical That's ballet really, training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And have you noticed in the time you've been teaching, have you noticed? Diff, you know, are kids different today than maybe when you start in terms of you know how to teach them, or do you have to structure things differently? Or um, a little bit, and yeah. I think it's it's important, and you know we realize that, and and we're trying to um, help educate families, not just students in our mm-hmm. classrooms, but educate the families on the process of the training. Because what's sometimes a sensitive issue is that. Um, the children, students progress at different rates at yeah. different times in their training. And that tends to be upsetting sometimes if a student doesn't move forward to another class with along with their classmates mm-hmm. at the same time. So we try to be compassionate about that and, and be sensitive to the students' needs, but at the same time be honest with them about what they need to move forward. So in a way, it, it can be frustrating, but in another way, when the students realize that you know, they put the work and effort into it. They communicate well with their teachers, and they implement the corrections, and then they they do progress, and mm-hmm. then they, they gain that confidence in their skill. And I really think that, that that part of the training of classical ballet and the dedication that's required of it, it, it really helps, I think, to build confidence overall, and that carries out of the studio into other aspects of their lives. So that's mm-hmm. something that we try to take seriously, and it's a hard balance, you know, to, to have have them realize that that it, it takes a lot of work and they yeah. might have to struggle a little bit but then in the end you know our object is to get everybody into the advanced <laughs> class right? right and even though we have very individual and unique dancers everybody will get there mm-hmm. eventually wow. so yeah that's wonderful um i guess you mentioned your your parents were there dancers that you looked up to or performed that, that sort of you you know inspired you to, to as you were perf- performing yes. yeah yes <laughs> well my first source of inspiration was Mikhail Baryshnikov. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching Nutcracker every year with mm-hmm. him, and um, uh, it that was my first sort of like wow. And um, Gene Kelly was another mm-hmm. one that I would watch. But um, a little bit closer to my own experience was a dancer in the advanced class when I was probably an intermediate level student, and I saw her love of dance shine through a performance. She really seemed to express during the movement and it looked like she was having fun even if she was performing a role that required her to be sad I just remember thinking wow like how cool she can just you know just be acting you know while dancing and which was neat and also she had um her physical um element or attributes of of dance weren't like the they weren't the normal, what you would consider like the perfect um, body for ballet, mm-hmm. which is uh, like t- turned out. She was not what we call turned out, which is when the hips rotate um, at, uh, outward. At, uh, and uh, she didn't have that, mm-hmm. but she worked really hard mm-hmm. and she could do so much. And and I was sort of like that too. I didn't have perfect turnout. So she yeah. was kind of that role model for yeah. me growing up. And I thought, well, if she can do it, I'm going to give this a good shot. You mm-hmm. know, so, That's good. Um, I don't. I don't know if that makes me think. Um, with the older kids, do you, do they help? Like you know, with the, the younger kids, are they like inspire like the, the ones that you yeah. teach now today? Yeah. They do. In yeah. fact, I've heard from uh, some of the older students about them feeling um, encouraged by 
the older students when they were younger. Yeah. And that what we do try to do, in fact, I'm glad we're having this conversation because it reminded me to put this on my to-do list, <laughs> is um, once every semester we have the older students come in at the end of a younger student's class and they talk. And the younger students are supposed to prepare a couple questions that they have uh, for the older ones. And usually it's, you know, do you get a lot of blisters wearing point shoes <laughs> or what was your favorite role or, you know, that you ever danced and things like that. But, um, that dialogue between really helps, I think, to mentor the younger ones. Um, and it also helps to keep the atmosphere at the school very positive so that, um, you know, we're, we're supporting one another. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Um, I guess for going back to the nutcracker, what are some of the like behind the scenes things that people don't re- like the, just getting the set does I mean how you know how labor intensive oh we have absolutely <laughs> phenomenal volunteers yeah, yeah. and um, I would certainly encourage anybody who has an interest in anything surrounding theater or costumes that would like to help um, to please do we have amazing our costume volunteers are amazing mm-hmm. they do so much behind the scenes to get mm-hmm. everything ready um, to alter costumes to fit costumes to purchase new costumes if necessary to make headpieces to you know refurbish some things um, and then we have um with the set we have a fairly standard set for nutcracker but there's always something that's that that is a, is a challenge that could be a challenge that mm-hmm. makes it exciting as I was talking about earlier so this year and I'm, I'm not going to spoil it because I want people to come and see <laughs> yeah. see if they notice what's yeah. new um, but uh, we have some great volunteers and yeah. it's fun to hear the side conversations I'm not intimately involved with, right. with those um, with the making but there's like you know some definite engineering sometimes yeah. that goes on with the set and that's oh, fun yeah. um, the do you, for the performance that's at Sklo, um, mm-hmm. can, you, can you talk a little bit about like what do you know what parts of the performance are going to be performed here, or how, how do you break how do you uh, break that down? Okay, right, okay. Well, um, I'm still I'm still actually casting that performance, yeah. but um, we usually have some excerpts from the um, from both first act and the second mm-hmm. act. Um, usually, we have the at least one of the dolls that's in the party scene. That's mm-hmm. always fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes I have some snowflakes. <laughs> and um, I usually have a couple of the divertisements from the second act. We try to go through the book of the Nutcracker book and mm-hmm. then pause the reading of that book whenever we're going to implement one of the dancers. So <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a fun way to sort of narrate the story yeah. and for the kids that come to see see the dancers perform in the order of the show. Yeah. yeah. Have you had, because uh, I don't know how many years you've been doing it at the library, but have you had... Uh, kids who see at the library then want to say, hey, I want to try that, and they, they contact you then? <laughs> yes. They, they, we have definitely had some um, some new students mm-hmm. from, from this event, yeah. and that's fun. And sometimes we have an interactive, most of the times we have an interactive segment after the performance where mm-hmm. the, the kids that come to the library are able to uh, participate a little bit in some sort yeah. of movement activity, yeah. which is always fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll have all of our information there, too, about um, classes and performances if student, if kids are interested. Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, two young boys. We were there last year. And okay. they, I think they participated. Yeah. Well, yeah. my youngest just sat there in the corner. He wasn't. <laughs> but uh, uh-huh. my oldest tried some of the things. So yeah. yeah, it was great. Good, good. That's good. That's good. Um, are there uh, other 
parts of the uh, of either uh, PSACP or anything do you want to talk about um, that's coming up on on your calendar? There? Sure. Well, with regard to the Nutcracker, mm-hmm. we have um, the Sugar Plum Fairy Tea Party, which is coming up on Sunday, December second, mm-hmm. and there are two seatings, uh, both at Toftree's Conference Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first seating is one to three p.m. and the second uh, four to six p.m. And so that's always fun. There's a little bit of a performance excerpt from uh, uh, at that event as well. And the kids would see the Sugar Plum Fairy and get to have yummy treats mm-hmm. and hear the story and all that. So it's a really nice event. Right. Um, uh, kids have a chance to dress up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's and that, that's really fun. <laughs> so, I yeah, Sunday, December 2nd, Toft Trees, Sugar Plum Fairy Tea Party. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is certainly if, like as I mentioned before, if anyone wants to get involved uh, with the school and share their talents, we are always open mm-hmm. to that. Um, and we are out in Cato Park on Research Drive. And again, it's Nittany Ballet or Performing Arts School of Central Pennsylvania. We have our Friends of PASCP campaign going on um, always uh, where people can help us out with donations of various levels. And we would certainly appreciate any support that um, the community can give to us in that regard so that we can continue doing what we do and uh, being more present in the community and sharing these activities with with everybody. That's great. And finally, I, I ask people uh, about a book or books that have influenced them, impacted them, either when they were young or even more recent. Uh, do you have any book or books that have made an impact on your life? Well, it's funny. When you asked me this, I thought, well, I really need to read more. <laughs> because I'm always coming to the library for my children, yeah. and I just you know, have realized that I don't read enough. But honestly, one did pop in my head. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it's a children's book, but The Giving Tree is one that really impacted me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it, it's been a while since I read it, but I think about how, um, you know, at any age or any stage of our life, we have we have value and worth, and we share it, and we make we can make things better for other people. Also, well, that's great. Yeah. Well, well, Rebecca, thank you so much. We are looking forward to having uh, the Nutcracker here at SCLO mm-hmm. and looking for the performance also at Eisenhower Auditorium. Great, thank you, David. Thank you. This year's production of the Nutcracker Ballet from Nittany Ballet um, come to the library on Sunday, November 18th, 2.30 p.m. in our community room. Uh, they'll be doing, uh, performing a few of scenes and I think also having some getting kids involved with some movement activities. Um, so it's, it, it's a great way to sort of kick off the Thanksgiving week and the holiday season. So it's, again, it's Sunday, November 18th at 2.30 p.m. Speaking of Thanksgiving week, um, kind of different hours here at the library. Um, we'll be closing early on Wednesday, November 21st, the day before Thanksgiving. We'll be closing at 6 p.m. And then SCLO will be closed on Thanksgiving Day, Thursday, November 22nd, and the day after, Friday, November 23rd, and then open uh, at our normal hours uh, starting on sa- Saturday, November 24th. So just keep that in mind if you're... Uh, you know, want to get books, DVDs, whatever, for Thanksgiving with the no school or if you have family coming in or whatever. Um, you know, you want to make sure that you get that before the library closes on Wednesday. And 
Um, some other events happening, a, a rescheduled event, an evening with Mimi Barish Coppersmith. It was originally scheduled for earlier this month, but is, it had to be postponed. It's now happening on Tuesday, November 27th. So that's an evening with Mimi Barish Coppersmith, um, she, you know, longstanding uh, resident, founder of Town & Gown Magazine. She came out with a book this year, Eat First, Cry Later. So she'll be talking about her you know, decades, how she's seen this area change um, throughout the decades she's lived here, as well as her life um, and, uh, and, and philanthropy and talk about her book. So that's on Tuesday, November 27th. <clears throat> Probably an event I don't really need to promote, but um, Polar Express registration begins on Tuesday, November 27th, starting at 9 a.m. Uh, that's a popular <laughs> event we have here the first two weekends in December, so uh, registration opens on Tuesday, November 27th at 9 a.m. Um, and then going back to the Thanksgiving hours, even though the library is closed, obviously our anything we have online, our online services, they're 24-7 open, so you can get e-books, e-audio books through OverDrive. We have Canopy, so video streaming, so all that's available 24-7, um, so uh, you can check that stuff out. We will have a episode of the podcast next week, um, next Wednesday. I, it's it's a special one. We talked. I talked with uh, author Susan Orlean. Uh, she's not coming here, but or at least not as of yet. But um, uh, she just came out with a book called The Library Book, and I thought this would be a good conversation to have with her. Um, it's it's centered around this fire that happened in the 1980s at the Los Angeles Public Library, but the book is more more about libraries in general and just her love of libraries and how they serve communities and all that so i think that'll be a good episode to have for thanksgiving week that will be uh dropping next wednesday november 21st so you'll want to listen to that that's with uh, susan orlean um check out our website uh, for all information on events glowlibrary.org social media facebook instagram twitter uh, hopefully you get the newsletter. If you haven't, ask someone you, or you can go online to sign up. Uh, comes out every other month, so the November, December one has been sent out. Um, we have the calendars, the, cal- uh, the printed calendars of events. Uh, the winter ones uh, should be coming pretty soon. And, uh, and again, just uh, everything also is on our website, schoollibrary.org. Uh, until next week, um, when I'll be talking to you right before Thanksgiving, uh, We hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, and until next time, hope to see you at Slow Library.